Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Really pleased to be joined as per usual by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, Happy New Year and how are you? Happy New Year to you too, mate. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. And uh, we have a really interesting question uh, which came in before Christmas via Twitter from Dave. And the question is, is hunger or desire coachable? I have some under 13 players who are lacking in that sort of desire, but they have a good technical base. So quite a challenging question first up. What are your initial thoughts on this one, mate? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I think it's a kind of nature versus nurture type question, isn't it? And how much is set and how much can we affect? Um, I think really we're talking about a behavior. And I think um, as coaches, if we're thinking about the, the environment that we design and the environment that we can kind of um, develop and maybe control certain aspects of, then we can help encourage certain behaviours. That would be my my kind of simple answer. To, to what extent or to what percentage can you affect that, I think is, a, is an interesting debate. But that would be my, my quick take. How about you? Yeah, it certainly is a very interesting one. And I think when you talk about values and, and the behaviours that you're setting uh, within the environment, I think the players can take some ownership there. Um, and there's an opportunity with players at this age to take some responsibility around what the expectations are. And I think they can, that can be quite empowering. Um, when Dave sent this question at us via Twitter, I also brought Lara Mossman in. And Lara's our resident positive psychology expert. Um, and I got a quote from her here, which I thought was a really nice one. And she said, coaches can certainly create sporting environments that foster high quality motivation. I'd look at increasing autonomy supportive behaviors and explore whether they've developed a fixed mindset. It sounds like they may be avoiding mistakes. So some interesting thoughts there. And I think that ties in with, um, you know, my own sort of feelings on this, that there could be a, a fear factor or anxiety at play um, if players are sort of being conservative and maybe not coming out of their shell, whether that's socially they're intimidated or whether they're uh, afraid of failing or making mistakes, perhaps that's leading to some conservatism and a kind of mediocre approach, um, which needs to be addressed. But perhaps it's best that we talk about um, the idea of autonomy. Um, have you got any thoughts as, as to how we can create that? Yeah, I think... Um what we want is players that, that feel like they have you know a part part in the journey a part in the decision making a part in the game a part in training and then maybe the two are linked so if I feel like I'm more involved or I think like I can control where this is going um, then then I can maybe put more into it to, to, to make that impact so um, you know the kind of growth mindset growth mindset stuff by uh, Carol Dweck and you know, the research in the book that she wrote, I think is quite important and, and maybe something Dave should go and read. Mm. But very simply, I suppose, a, a growth mindset um, is somebody who thinks that, the, the, you know, the harder they work or the more they kind of invest their time and energy into something, the better they get at it. And a fixed mindset is that um, the amount of skill or talent that they already have is preset and it doesn't matter because they won't get any better. Mm. Um, so that, that very simply is it's kind of a, a spoiler for the book. Um, <laughs> 
but but yeah, I suppose we're we're wanting to encourage those players to to think about you know how much control they can have of their journey and, and whether they can uh, whether they can impact it and you know if they work harder will they get more luck you know stuff like that. Mm. I think on the topic of uh, autonomy and motivation, it's really important that we try and um, back it up with a little bit of evidence. So what I'd like to do is, given I had the opportunity recently to sit down with Jimmy Vaughan on this conversation and and talk about this area of expertise, which is what he's doing his PhD in, um, we filmed something with Jimmy and. Uh, uh, here's his thoughts around the idea of motivation and autonomy supportive environments. So Jimmy, we're talking motivation, a topic that's obviously really dear to you and, and an area you're an expert in. Can you give us an overview as to what we can focus on as coaches in terms of motivation and, and some areas we should think about based on the conversation we're having already? Yeah, well I think one of the, the key things to think about is what is autonomy for our players. So it's going to, arguably it can differ uh, from group to group, but it's certainly going to differ in different cultural contexts. And as you guys have talked about already, it kind of, it can depend on the values of the group as well. Mm. So as a little bit of example, um, we ask questions as coaches quite a lot. Um, and it seemed to be like autonomy supportive to get the players thoughts and you know, feedback. But if we're asking questions that are too difficult, or questions that the players don't feel competent about answering, we're actually not um, supporting their autonomy in that way. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of a tricky one to get your head around, but it's kind of like if you're asked to do something that you don't feel uh, competent to do, um, I answer that question, and mm. uh, then it's not really supporting someone's autonomy. Okay. Uh, and I suppose if a player is put on the spot, it's more like you're being told to ask to answer a question. So it's uh, there's a tricky balance there, and it very much depends on the, the cultural context. Okay, and this I suppose in a sense is about understanding your players and knowing where they're comfortable, where they need to be stretched in terms of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And it's recognizing that even though autonomy is about uh, self-expression and some freedom uh, to choose, there's an underlying structure that's required as well. Mm. Uh, so without having like a good group um, dynamic already and maybe some, um, some values that the group adheres to and things like that, then mm. it can be hard to know what is uh, deemed competent behavior in the group or acceptable mm -hmm. or what is deemed uh, unacceptable. Okay. So there's a bit of a tightrope to walk there for coaches, so it's not an easy one. Absolutely. Now, we, we've talked a little bit about growth mindset and there's a lot of content on the website around that. Where does that fit for you in this kind of motivational piece uh, as, as to where coaches can make an impact here and help players become more motivated or, or attuned to the environment in terms of being happy and being engaged? Well. I think growth mindset fits quite nicely with another um, theory of motivation, like which is called task, um, sorry, achievement goal theory, mm -hmm. and that looks at the goals that we set uh, and the goals that we have, and whether they're more task orientated or ego orientated. Uh, and what you find, at least in my understanding of the research, is that. Uh, a growth mindset links well to, to mastery uh, and really focusing on the task and the process uh, whereas a fixed mindset would be more about having an ego orientation which is just about being better than other people in the group mm -hmm. so these ideas link quite nicely and what it really comes back to is a focus on uh, the process the task and mastering a particular uh, skill mm. or, or whatever the task might be and that being the focus so 
success for the players or the team then becomes their own improvement irrespective of anyone else mm. so we might be working on something uh, and you might be a lot better than I am it's unlikely oh, but it's highly likely <laughs> <laughs> and so there's no point me judging how well I'm doing in comparison to you sure uh, but it's really worthwhile for me to be able to judge my own improvement over the weeks uh, and months well, look, I know you've written a lot on social comparison, which is, I think, where you're alluding to, and, and there's some great content on the site for those who want to read it uh, around the dangers of that and praise and so on. Yeah. Are there any sort of key criteria that coaches can look at in terms of how they're being successful with creating a good motivational climate in, in the team environment? Well, one of the things they can do is it's almost, it can be easier rather to try and look towards autonomy supportive behaviors. Uh, it's also... It's also worthwhile to look in at um, what are controlling behaviors, so mm -hmm. the other end of the spectrum. So what are, what are things that coaches do that are going to, um, yeah, are gonna inhibit feelings of autonomy? Mm -hmm. So looking at controlling behaviors um, is a good place to start from that point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's really anything that's gonna make the players feel pressured to behave in a certain way. Uh, and this is tricky, right? Because coaching is about trying to guide the players mm -hmm. towards, um, you know, uh, a way of uh, learning. Uh, and I think there can be a confusion there between um, telling players or pressurizing players in, into certain things because we see that they're the right things to do mm. uh, and creating the space where players discover that for themselves. Yeah. And from a player's perspective, it kind of comes back to when they turn up to training and they enter a session or they play a game, do they feel like they want to do what they're doing or do they feel like they have to do what they're doing? Mm. Uh, and there's some really good research out there on, on controlling behaviors. Mm. And again, they can be perceived in different ways. I think um, the difference between Asian kids and, and American kids and how they perceive their mother's ins instructions mm -hmm. uh, and the autonomy support that, that that kind of gives. There's some research out there that shows that there's a big difference, mm. um, which probably comes back to having a trusting relationship as sure. well. Sure. You know, if the players truly believe that, that us as coaches, we are there to help them, mm. we are there to help them improve, they're more likely uh, to take what we advise mm. or, or our guidance in, uh, in a more of an autonomy supportive light mm. uh, rather than feeling that it's more controlling. Excellent thoughts from Jimmy there, Dan. Uh, anything to take away from that? Yeah, it's always fascinating to hear Jimmy talk, isn't it? And I think um, every time I hear somebody kind of with these kind of expertise, I, I always try and think about what it means for, for me and my environment or with me and my players. Um, so that, that would be kind of my takeaway. So the, the, the things that, that maybe um, I talked about Carol Dwett, we've talked about Lara Mossman, uh, Jimmy Vaughan. How, what, what, are the, what are the things they're saying? What does it actually mean for, for me with my group of under 13s in Dave's situation? Um, I thought it was also interesting that we could talk about perhaps um, you talked earlier about the values. We could talk about praise and perhaps what we're praising in training and in games. Um, so, I, so I know we've we've talked a lot about this through through blogs and through masterclass discussions. But if we think about the the behaviours who we want to encourage, and it doesn't have to be just motivation or working hard. It could be whether we want players to take risks. It'd be interesting to see what we what our session looks like and what are the bits that we, we reward and we encourage. So, for example, if we want someone to, to make um, longer passes or riskier passes, do we encourage that or when they make a mistake, do we go, oh, shouldn't have done that or our body language says that even if our voice doesn't. So that could be the same with the motivation. So are we praising the players that 
the, the things they do they find easy so maybe somebody mm. passing receiving or dribbling then they find that easy and then we praise it so they do more of it and maybe the things they find hard are, are recovering and tracking and running back do we praise those things when they happen um, and I know you've done a, a kind of masterclass discussion around redefining success and, and that might tie in quite nicely to this. Yeah, and I think, I think sort of going back to that presentation, that's around um, every individual and understanding them and, and, and I guess building some relationships and having some empathy with the people you're working with. Um, we've got to remember that in these environments and, and particularly with Dave's question, we're talking about under 13s. We're talking about children who are very much uh, going to be at different points on their own journey, have different experiences, different backgrounds. Um, so it, it, sort of developing that climate that's going to be motivating and enjoyable, um, there's, there's a couple of areas to address and one of those is the fun factor for me that, that you can ensure that the level and intensity often goes up by just doing fun sessions um, because players may have two goals and it might be a tight game or a finishing practice that's really exciting and, and the players love getting involved. Um, so you can look at how you design those tasks practically um, to give players sort of a, an enjoyment level. And there's also the idea um, of perfectionism. And it's, it's a common issue with a lot of young players and young athletes or, or any sort of person who's really striving towards getting better at whatever level. Um, we can all be perfectionists and we can all be disappointed uh, when we don't achieve what we think we should. And that sort of ties a little bit into the fixed mindset stuff, which you referred to earlier. Um, we had a great blog by Reid Maltby from Changing the Game Project on this uh, at the end of last year um, around how parents and coaches can work with a perfectionist athlete. And I'd highly recommend that Dave checks that one out. Um, but that, that perfectionism can be really dangerous and can be... Uh, I guess difficult to manage and understand without that broader context of the individual. So I think that's really important. Um, and then when we talk about the anxiety or the, the potential factors that are contributing to this lack of motivation, these could be external. They could be from a parent, a guardian, or somebody outside who's who's framing uh, the sporting experience for the young person involved as something that's a high-pressure environment, when in reality, there's no consequence on an under-13 game at whatever level, whether you're in an academy or whether you're playing at grassroots, it's still just a learning opportunity. So if coaches can frame it that way, perhaps there's some pressure removed um, and we're defining success as, okay, today can you go out and beat players 1v1 or defend 1v1 or make X amount of killer passes in the final third. Um, and perhaps those kind of approaches where we're looking at targets and, and tying it into individual plans, which we've spoken at, uh, spoken at length about in the past, then we can start redefining it, taking the pressure away and creating some freedom and autonomy, as Jimmy referred to, within that environment. Mm. Yeah, there's lots of things that are kind of tying into one here, isn't it? The, mm. the other kind of piece of content that I would recommend was um, Professor Stephen Rolneck's masterclass around um, motivation, understanding individuals, and he's got a, there's a lovely kind of soundbite in there. Where he talks about coaches using deficit goggles or being deficit detectives. So we're we're waiting for things to go wrong so that we can then jump on them and correct them and, and be the coach. Mm. Um, maybe if we if we had praise goggles or we were looking um, for the positives and things, we might it might spin the other way. So um, yeah, really interesting topic and. One, one you could debate all day, I think. Mm. Well, we've both worked at a club where coaching the positive was a fundamental in, in terms of the coaching philosophy and trying to trying to reaffirm behavior. And I think if you can uh, look at intent, because again, at under 13, which uh, these players are, there's going to be a lot of execution that fails because technically the toolbox isn't quite ready or perhaps players are at different stages in their development physically or technically. Um, so there's going to be a lot of mistakes happen. Um, and again, this comes back to removing pressure and redefining success for those players. 
players. So really important to take into account that it's easy to analyze a game and go, this could have happened or this could have been done better, um, as you referred to with the deficit uh, goggles or being a deficit detective. Um, it's quite often difficult to go, that was really excellent, how do I make it better? So I think, again, the environment that the coach creates, the way the coach communicates can all sort of help those areas, I guess. Mm. There's lots to dig into here, isn't there, from a so, coach's point of view, because you, you've got to understand the individuals in front of you. Like you said, you've got to understand the maybe the game day environment. So mm. is it full of fear? Is it full of stress? Is it parents that are creating that? Is it coaches that are creating that? Is it in the kids' heads? Um, and then what our training looks like, maybe the difference between training and game days. And there's lots of common themes that we talk about in these Q&As, but it's not... It's not a simple question and you know a three-word answer. You've got to you've got to really dig into your environment with your kids and uh, perhaps understand what's going on, and then have a look at yourself and your your behaviour over a, over a period of you know six, seven, eight weeks. Mm. Is it matching up to the things do you want to see? And then perhaps maybe pointing the finger at the kids, you'd be pointing the finger at yourself, and then uh, starting with yourself and seeing if you can can do more to encourage this this behaviour, and then uh, take it from there. Would be my my kind of uh, wrap up. Excellent. Well, certainly plenty of ideas to discuss there, and hopefully we've helped Dave out with that one. Wishing him all the best for the rest of the season. And uh, Dan, thank you very much for your time once again. A really interesting discussion. Uh, really good. Really enjoyed it, mates. Excellent. We will look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.